expectations about discipleship, expectations about discipline, expectations of what it means to be men and women of God. And when people are not living for the Lord, we have to be able to say to them, hey, what's wrong? As opposed to being those kids where the kids all lie and cheat and keep secrets from the, from the parents. You know, the, you know what that's like? The kids lie, they cheat, they steal, they sneak out at night, and they cover up for each other, right? Because it's us against them, right? Yeah. Bad. Bad children. Uh, bad. No, the parents are, are there for you. Uh, and so in the community, the community has to say, which we all participate in. And when we have to have an expectation in the community of a standard of discipleship that won't let us get away with anything. So we all eat our veggies. We all memorize verses. We're all praying and forgiving. Uh, and therefore, uh, setting up a condition here where we're all going to be on our game and knowing this is what it means to be a man of God, to step up. Uh, Russ expects last night, he confessed, he expects all of his children to become mature. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, it's a good, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, and so if one of them doesn't become mature, it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart, break your, his mo the mom's heart too. Uh, and, and you'll say, you know, no, I, I'm believing God. Uh, they're going to have the prodigal son will have to come back out of those pick pits one of these days. I re you know? Why? Because that's the only game in town. There's no other standard. We don't allow. There's no, we don't say it's okay. Now, the problem with that, some people think, well, aren't you being a little officious? Isn't that like legalism? Isn't it like legalistic to think all of us are going to know Bible verses? Like all of us are going to be praying you know, come on. I mean, some of us will, some of us won't. Isn't that how it is, right? No. It's wrong not to pray. It's wrong not to read your Bible regularly and feed on the Word of God. It's wrong. It's bad. It's a sin of omission. Not just a sin of commission. It's a sin of omission, not doing what's expected of you. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to be in fellowship. You have to love one another. You have to correct one another. You have to encourage one another. You can't turn a blind eye. You know, walk with the Lord. So the expectation in a community has to change. You see what I'm saying? It's not legalism. It's not being officious. It's not being, you know, into rules and regs. It's love. It's love. It's caring for one another. And knowing what the alternative is, is despair. It's love. And setting that expectation and then making sure we're on the game, that we're looking each other in the eye saying, how's your prayer life? How'd it go today? By the way, I'm asking how it went today. Just thought, yeah. Good, okay. Russ is okay. I'm looking at him, though. Don't cover for him. Don't fall. You don't have to fall on the sword for him, brother. So <laughs> you want to, we need an ex, because the expectation, there was the community had a value. Uh, and not a very low value where it's like, you know, well, at least he's saved. What's that mean? No. No, we have to, we're pressing God to the mark, encouraging each other accordingly uh, in this regard. Uh, turn, verse 9. Besides this, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. If you have a King James, it says we feared them. Is that right? To say fear them? Pay respect. Pay respect. That's good. Reverence is okay. A little, little formal. 
respected them. Uh, and so that's, that's the goal. Uh, they're, they're to respect your position. Uh, honoring father and mother is a calling upon them. They are to respect the position, pray for the person, even if they disagree with the policy. The position is from God. They may need to pray for you. I don't measure up. I'm a father. I'm an old man now. I, I, I'm still a long way to go. People are praying for me to grow into my position, you know. But respect the position. Like an elder, it's a position from God. You respect it. Even if the dude got to grow into it or something. A husband, it's a position from God. Even if he has to grow into it. Respect the position. Pray for the person. Don't, and even if you disagree with the policy. Uh, and by the way, your children are listening closely when you badmouth the president. Uh, and you disrespect his position. Rather than pray for the person when you disagree with the policy. Be careful. Be careful of that inconsistency. But in any case. Uh, and so it says in verse 9, Heartly fathers, the disciplines, we respected them. Shall we not much more? If you respected your dad because he disciplined you, how much more your heavenly father? And so the game plan here, it says, um, verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. That's the difficulty is that they're just guys. We're guys. We discipline our kids. The heavenly father does it perfectly. Uh, disciplines us for our good. So my share in his holiness. Verse 11. You can download this uh, at my website. You can download uh, my, my series on Hebrews if you want meat on the bone. I'm just breezing through it. So uh, they disciplined us for a short time. It's a short-term deal. Uh, what seemed best to them is brief, subjective. So we respected them. But God, there's not one thing God does. This is hard to understand. Uh, by the way, let's go back to something. When he speaks to you, how does he speak to you? As a sinner or what? As son. He never does one thing for you that's not for your good. Not, there's not one, you may do things that's not for your own good. Everything he does is for your own good, uh, for your benefit, for your growth, for your development, for uh, what he has in store for you. Uh, every single thing that he has you doing is absolutely for him. Well, what is that? For the joy set before him. For that joy that you're going to have, for your good, everything, everything is for you. Everything is for you. God created you to share in his glory. No one can take his glory, but he created you to be for those all things work together for good to those who love God called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also, what? Glorified. As surely as you are saved, you are glorified from an eternal point of view. 
He created you for his glory, to glory forever. What a great, he loves you that much. He created you to show not just his love for saving you. I would take that deal any day. To share in his eternal glory. Can you imagine that? Every single thing he's doing for you is in your best interest, for your benefit, for your good, to share in his glory. Uh, and everything you're responding to is showing that you appreciate that. But if you do not respond well, there's different glories and glories. Some will be called great in the kingdom, and some will be called the least in the kingdom. Do you believe that's true? It says it, doesn't it? <laughs> it says it. Some we call shrimpy, and some we call mighty man, you know? That kind of, I'm not sure you have to talk with that voice. But why? Because you said, yes, Lord, I'll yield to you. I'll live for you. I'll spend that time. I will care about the things you want me to care about. I will learn the right habits, the right disciplines as I follow you. I will do that because you're a great God. That I might share in the very nature of God and grow in the into conformity to the Son, in His holiness, uh, in His goodness, in light of who He is. And so, uh, God is developing us accordingly, and for discipline you endure. That's what it said in verse 7. Why am I enduring this? It's good discipline. Doesn't that sound harsh? What am I going through this for? Discipline. You're enduring this for discipline. I don't understand. Boot camp was to gain the discipline for war. Why would God do that, Sarge? For discipline. You got to learn how to be disciplined so you can respond. Everything is bringing you through. It's all preparation for the next stop of the train. You're enduring this for discipline, that you might bear fruits of righteousness, the fruit of peace in your heart and your life. Verse 11. Hebrews 12, 11. For the present, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. His righteous discipline produces his fruitful disciples. Uh, and that's how it works. Now, it says all discipline. I want to take a minute here. I want to talk about what areas the Lord is disciplining you in. All discipline deals with every area. He says all discipline, doesn't he? Doesn't say some. Every area of your life, he's disciplining you in. When is it okay for your children to lie? I'll give you a hint. Uh, is it at home? Is it at school? Is it at church? You apply the same discipline everywhere? Yes. And so every single area of your life, God is applying. The, all discipline at the time seems like, ah, I don't like this. That's how you gain the discipline. Let's take a look at, a, at something else, if we might. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. Oh, one verse three, please. I will set. What won't I set before my eyes? Uh, let's talk about that. 
Now, if the Bible says, uh, look at that verse again, uh, be a good verse to put on your TV screen or wherever, you're, across your PC screen or on your phone, whatever you're using, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. You see, that's a, that's a point of commitment, isn't it? That's a commitment we make. I will put no wicked, but what if I fail? You repent and go back to that commitment and grow stronger. You don't use your failure as an excuse to give up. All, we're all going to fail. Every single one of us is going to have a point of failure. At some point, we come to the end of ourselves and recognize we've got to grow more. That's all that's happening. But when you fail, you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I fumbled the ball. I'm sorry. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. And once you are cleansed and forgiven, does the Lord bring it up to you again? You say no? The scripture says about a new covenant, it says, Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. Once you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you say, but it's like it's the hundredth time this year. Once you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, he can no more remember your sin than deny the cross. You may not forget it. That's your problem. You need to grow in a new covenant relationship and understand that you're cleansed uh, and therefore not allow that to, dis to distract you uh, and to make you discouraged and all the things that come about. Accept the cleansing, move on, and commit yourself. No, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. And if I fumble the ball, I'm going to make sure I hold it better next time. Help me, Lord, to grow. And you press on. That's what we do with a commitment. A commitment doesn't mean you're not going to have failure. It means that is going to prove I have a failure. You can't fail unless you have a commitment. So a lot of people have commitments so they don't feel like failures. Low standards, you know? It's okay if you only lie five or six times an hour. After that, you got a problem, buddy. So no, no, no lie is of the truth. And you commit yourself to telling the truth. And so you want to, you say, but what happens if I give in to the pressure, the fear, and I fail? recognize it because you have that commitment. You therefore recognize it as a failure. Go to the Lord and say, I fumbled it, Lord. Forgive me by the blood of Jesus. Help me to grow on now. Help me to press on to the mark of a high calling. And that's what we do. And we encourage each other as a community. As a community value. We encourage each other. We don't judge each other. How can we judge each other? We're all a bunch of confessed sinners. <laughs> All children of God. So we want to encourage each other in what's good. Come on. You can, come on. You can do it. Yeah, you know, but I really blew it big time, you know. Yeah, but the blood of Jesus covers you from all sin. Now let's press on together. Now let's get going. Let's start reaching out. Let's not get caught up in ourselves. So we want to understand the very values the Scripture have become our values when we value them. We say, I will put no worthless thing before my eyes. Put down your TV set. The kids will say, what, what are you doing, Dad? That's, a, that's like a, a big screen TV set. That's, 
That's got like a hundredth font or something, you know? <laughs> you know. If you put a little eight font on the TV, big TV screen, you're going to see it. So. Right across the top. Hey, kids, we're going to put no worthless thing before our eyes. We're going to make sure everything is going to be honoring to God and not going to be anything that would be an embarrassment to the name of my God. They look and say, what's that mean? How about, how about just kind of ordinary kind of stuff? A father came home and saw the kids, um, you know, getting ready there. And he said, well, where are you guys going? What's going on? Oh, we're going to go out to the movies, you know. Oh, really? Well, what are you going to see? Oh, we're going to see this movie. Uh, and the father said, well, is that PG-13 or something? Yeah. Why is it PG-13? Oh, it's got just a couple of things in there. You know, a couple of scenes, you know. Not a big deal. It's a good movie, though. Just a couple of scenes. He says, that's okay. I made some brownies for you to take to the movies. That's great, Dad. Wow. Here, some brownies I made. Wow, what a dad. Uh, by the way, I put a little dog poop in the brownies. <laughs> what? Uh, just a little. You know, you know, most of you, you won't even taste it probably. And it's like, you won't eat, some, you may not, in your piece, it may not be any. It's just a little. You can't put dog poop in the brownies. <laughs> just a little. Uh, you might, it might not be in your brownie. You know, it's got a shot. It's just a little. So how much dog poop do you want in the brownie? I, think, I suppose that's the question. At what point is it like, mm, no, I'm good. No, no, no brownies, you know? And so you have to start looking at a standard that, that is not merely sociably acceptable. You have to look at the standard. What does God want for you and your family? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does God want for you and your family? Not what is trending, not what is going to be making you the, you know, the Christian hipster in the group, but the very truth of God living in your life. Uh, you know, my kids, <laughs> they love telling stories about me. Some of them are good. Uh, I used to walk out of the movie theaters as, long, as soon as there was a bad word. One bad word, out. Dad, so embarrassing, you know, all that kind of thing. They boast about it now. They're in their 30s. They boast about it now. At the time, they gave me so much grief over everything. I thought I was like the world's worst dad. No, no, you go watch anything like that. No, no, Skeletor pictures or whatever. So you got to kind of have a value that you'll fail at. Repent and press on. I fumbled it, but that's the value. I'm not going to worry about being a failure because that means I have strong values and I'm going to grow into them if I grow at all. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 again. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it goes on from there. That whole section, verse uh, 4 through verse uh, 11, was uh, the teaching and encouragement uh, to uh, appreciate the discipline, to appreciate the discipline uh, that God has, uh, not to resent it, not to despise it, not to uh, be discouraged by it, 
but rather recognize it shows you're a child of God. It shows that you're, uh, you're one of his. And so when we now look at verse 12 uh, in this section about uh, being healthy and all that, disciplined and growing in the Lord, verse 11, of course, remember what it said there, those who have been trained by his discipline afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Uh, what, in your version, what's the first word in verse, verse 12? Yeah. Wherefore, therefore, uh, and so it's referring back to the preceding statement. In light of that whole issue of God's purpose to discipline you as a child, as his son, in light of that whole deal, and he's on his game, right? What will your response be? Verse 12. Therefore, therefore, what's it say there? Strengthen the hands that are weak. And the knees that are feeble. And make straight paths for your feet. So that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint. Can get worse. But rather be healed. Let's understand the stewardship we have. Once we recognize our stewardship, our calling. God has us as sons, as children to become great men and women of God. That's the vision you give to your children. Uh, they're going to, each one of them is going to become a great man and woman of God. Uh, that's the only call that God has on any child. Not one person, not one believer was permitted or called to immaturity. Every believer is called to press on to the mark of a high calling, to be like Yeshua, to follow him. You have to give that vision to your children. You have to live out the values in your life. And when you fumble the Lord, when you fumble the ball and, and, and even, you know, uh, dishonor the Lord in some way, did I say that out loud, the kind of moment, whatever? You say, I was wrong. That was a wrong thing for Daddy to say. Uh, let's pray together. Father, forgive me for that. Cleanse me of that bad word I said in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Boom. He just learned how to repent, how to be cleansed, and then move along. And then move along for the Lord to help you have speech that honors him. That's edifying in everything you say. And so, uh, strengthening the hands that are weak. How do we strengthen our hands? For those who do exercise, uh, I don't know what your grip is like. Uh, you know, gripping the sword, uh, that's, a, that's a dealie right there. Being able to prepare, uh, to attain. We, you know, we attained and we sustained health. We attain spiritual health, and then we sustain it. We attain it and sustain it. And that helps us to grow on and press on. And so what's it take to attain? It says there in verse 12 and 13, strengthen. We have three commands. One, strengthen. It's a command from God. Now, for those of you who don't like to be legalistic, I'm Jewish. It, it works for me, you know. That's a joke. Uh, we're not legalists because of the commands that God gives us. No, God puts his priorities for our life in the imperative. We know his a command is a point of action. A parable just gives some insight about spiritual dealies. A command is a point of action. He puts his priorities for us 
in the command form in the imperative. That's the point of action. And so when he says, strengthen your hands, right? Uh, that's a command, to strengthen your hands, which means you got weak hands. Strengthen them uh, to develop the strength to be able to hold that sword, to be able to grip it, uh, to make sure that you're able to have a handle on these matters, uh, that something's not going to be knocked out of your hands. When we hand out tracks, I do training. I wrote a book called SWAT, Street Witnessing and Testimony. Now, handing out tracks, a lot of missions, you might use that for training people, for handing out tracks on the street and stuff like that. And so one of the training exercises is people are holding tracks in their hand and handing them out like this, you know, like that kind of thing. And so you got to, because you're in a crowd of people, walk, people jostle you and bump into you. And so, and, and the Orthodox in New York, they thought it was so clever to come by and knock it out of your hand. So you had to learn discipline enough to hold and have a grip on it, but also be able to take out each one as the person's walking by. A little training exercise there. They had to have a grip on that, and so you had to, can you slap it out of your hands? Because that's what was going on all the time. You have to hold it with a grip. You have to have a grip on it. When you have the sword of the Spirit, the enemy's going to want to knock it out of your hands. Uh, you got to have a grip on it, and so you got to strengthen uh, the hands. Uh, and how do you do that? Well, the Word of God, obviously, is going to be the key to our strengthening it with exercise that we become healthy. You've got to get a grip on the Word of God. Turn uh, to Titus chapter 1, verse 9. So we have a situation that you have a ministry with your children to exhort them, and you have a ministry to be able to uh, refute those who contradict the faith. That's if you have a grip on the sword, on the teaching that you have. If you're gripping it, what was taught to you. If you know the word and you're able to utilize it. You say, well, I'm not like that. Get busy. Abraham didn't get started till he was 75. Anyone here 75 or more? I'll give you a pass if you're over 75. You may be. You may not remember. You're old. If you're old, you don't remember how old you are. So none of us get a pass. Uh, get started now. Abraham didn't get started, didn't get called till he was 75. Start now. Press on from here. Uh, next year you'll be better then. Uh, every day. Study to show yourself approved. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. The word uh, that your word will not depart from your mouth uh, and you will meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do all that is written in it. Day and night? Exactly. Every time you're watching a TV show, God's in the room. And, every, and the word of God's coming to mind. You're saying, you know, this is, Lord, uh, this is a teaching moment for my children. Wow, this is cool. Because the good guys here, okay, kids, I want you to know this. What was the problem in that thing? That's right, they told a lie. And what was, so all day long, the word of God is being worked through the family uh, and through the life. That is, if you're not just going to be dulled out by the boob tube, but you're going to be on your game and be intentional in your calling. You say, well, I do that at work. You got a bigger job when you get home. What are you talking about? That's the real job. And so I want to understand the commands. Uh, the first one is strengthen uh, the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Do you ever see someone who's weak-kneed, you know? 
<laughs> your knees are knocking. You, know? you got to be able to be upright. Uh, you got to have strong grip and be upright in your knees. Uh, that's the first, so the first command has to do with that, being strengthened. Uh, it says, this verse comes, this comes from uh, Isaiah. Did anybody recognize it? It's from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Uh, and so he's just repeating what the scripture says. This is what we do. The whole word of God is profitable. Strengthen your hands. Uh, you say, well, what do you mean strengthen your hands? Well, it has to do with the Word of God. Uh, that's the Word that will feed you and nourish you and strengthen you. Someone turn to Psalm 119 and verse 28. In the Greek, the word that's used here for strengthen is the word that's used in Psalm 119 and 28 in the Greek translation by the rabbis. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow by it unto salvation. You may grow by the word. You say, but I, I've been a believer for 25 years. I mean, milk is for babies, isn't it? Just own up that that's all you can handle because strong meat is for the mature who by reason of use have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You'll get to the meat, but you've got to desire the pure milk of the word. And be nurtured and strengthened by that, that you may grow in respect to salvation. That you may grow into who God called you to be. So the word of God will strengthen you. It's your spiritual vitamins. It will nourish you. It will build you up. It will, it will make you strong in the Lord when you take that and say, I will put no worthless thing before my eyes. I've made a covenant with my eyes. I will not look upon a virgin. Job made that covenant. I made a covenant with my eyes. I would not look upon a virgin. We don't do that. We, have a, we make sure we focusing on the Lord and not on evil and not what we can get away with. And so you've got to be on your game. You say, but I'm not that disciplined. No one is except the Lord Jesus. The rest of us are all growing, encouraging each other getting stronger and stronger with a community expectation that that's who we are. That's what we're growing into. We are a congregation of people who are being strengthened by the Word of God that we might nurture and protect our family and make a difference in uh, their lives. Uh, not only is it going to be, you know, the, the hands, it's also the knees. And so the whole issue of being upright See, the Word of God, when it strengthens you, it makes you upright. It gives you stature. You're able to step up and stand up. That's what the Word of God does for you. When you hide in your heart, when you live by it, when it becomes your meat and your drink, you become a man of conviction. When Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always up to the end of the age. Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Your teaching is to obey what he has commanded, right? So we want to understand the commandments of God are the convictions of the saints. Because God's word says so, therefore that's my conviction. Oh, come on. 
won't hurt to just, you know, take a look at it for a few minutes. I will put no worthless thing before my eyes. I will put no worthless thing before my eyes. That's my conviction. That's a command. The commandments of God are the convictions of the saints, and that's why we're people of conviction, why we have backbone, why in the midst of the storm we're the ones that maintain the right direction because we encourage each other in what's true and what's right and good. It's a community expectation that is going to be taught and encouraged and expected. And you say, well, you know, I wasn't at that thing with Sam. I, I wrote, took notes. Let's sit down and go over it. Really? Did you drink the Kool-Aid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe God's word. I believe God's word. And so we're people of conviction, men of character, men of worth, ish kail, man of worth, of valor, men of valor. Uh, when we actually believe God's word, it makes us upright. Men of conviction and character makes us strong in the Lord, handling the word of God. And we improve in that little by little by little. Keep growing. Don't be discouraged. Don't be despising. Keep going. Press to that mark. Move on. Next command. Command's a point of action. And so it goes on to say the next command, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet. That's a command. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned it a number of times. It came up over and over and over again, the issue of consistency. You see, the problem of having uneven paths is the problem that, you know, you have kind of, sort of yes, sort of no. In this world, I'm yes. In this world, I'm no. When I'm at school, I'm like into the school thing. At church, I'm into the church thing. At home, I'm into my own thing, whatever. Uneven paths. You have to have straight paths. Make them all the same. You say, what if I don't? Let's see what the verse says. It says there in verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame, we all have weaknesses. We all have areas of lameness or weakness. It can be worse with inconsistency, dual value systems, uneven paths. That lame area is now put out of joint, and now it's a useless part of your life. It can be worse, fellas. Therefore, you want to make you want to strengthen by the word of God and then have consistent, cohesive values on the truth. For every member of the family. People uh, do a lot of counseling with families because when you're congregation planting, you work with families, you know, it's all about families. And so people say, What do I do with my grown sons? You know, they want to live at home, but they want to be treated like adults, have the same values for everybody have the same values for everybody. Make sure that, you know, don't treat adult children like children. No, they're men and women. But have the same values for you, your wife, and the adult children. All have the same values. We all are on the same plane. What about for the little ones? None of us are allowed to lie. None of us are allowed to put a worthless thing before our eyes. 
None of us are allowed to listen to that garbage music, garbage in, garbage out. It's corrupting, even though they may not say, oh, it doesn't bother me. I can handle this kind of stuff. You don't blush at that stuff anymore? God does. God still blushes. He's still offended by the stuff that you may think, hey, around the water cooler stuff, hey, pretty funny stuff, you know? <laughs> you know? Guys, you got hardened. You got hardened in those areas. Go to the Lord with those areas. Don't, I, I, I don't want to, you know, we're not looking for true confessions. We're all just a bunch of guys here. Go to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm hardened in that area. I'm not sensitive to that area. I don't get, I don't get, I don't blush over it. I'm not offended by it like you're offended by sin. Help me, Lord, in that area. Just pray about it. Go to the Lord. That's the key issue. Go to the Lord and say, I'm going to make a conviction on that. I'm not going to put any wicked thing in my ears. I'm not going to listen to those comedy, those comedy programs. You know, I was going out with a bunch of ministers. We're on a conference, this big conference, bringing the word. And the evening time, the, the four other guys, uh, five of us, the other four said to me, we're going to go to a comedy club downtown. Want to come with us? I said, no. Why not? I don't think they have anything I want to listen to. Obviously, guys, no. I was sort of on the outs with them. Big deal. Big deal. No. You want to guard your ear, guard your heart. All of us fail. I fail. You fail. We all fail. But we have the value and when we fail, we call it failure. We don't draw a target around the arrow. We say, I missed the mark. I'm going to aim better. I'm not going to allow that kind of stuff. Not going to happen. That's how straight paths are made. Uh, with conviction uh, and character as we live for the Lord and all these kind of things. So you have to be writing down for yourselves. What areas do I need to be strengthened in? Where the Word of God needs to help me? What are my weak areas? Where am I not gripping the sword well? What areas of life? At work? At school? You know, maybe with my wife? You know, with a husband and wife, sometimes they, they sort of have a deal where they both, you know, wink, wink, we all understand, we just let ourselves get away with stuff, and we don't really hold ourselves to a very high standard, you know? Kids are in bed, you know? Whatever. No, say to your wife, uh, I have failed you. <laughs> failed God, failed you. Uh, we got to press to a mark here. <laughs> we can't just have a, a little private corruption thing going on. <laughs> we got to pray together. We got to read the word together. We got to be committed to the things of God together. I failed you. Forgive me. She says, what are you talking about? We both enjoy doing that. We both enjoy going there. We both enjoy those kind of people. We both in, what do you mean? You know? No, uh, I failed you. Uh, uh, I need your forgiveness. I, God's forgive me. Uh, we need to make sure we don't do that anymore. We don't give in to that lust. We don't give in to that failure. We don't give in to spending money we don't have or whatever it may be. That sometimes couples agree to or whatever the living, the kind of lifestyle they're living. And so you have to make this kind of dealy. Uh, by the way, that verse 13 comes from uh, the Proverbs. If you want to take note for your family, Proverbs 4, 26, 27. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. 
Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Get those paths straight. Make them straight. That's your stewardship. It's a command from the Lord. It's a conviction of my heart. It's a command from the Lord because I love him, because I love him. And everything he teaches me is for my good. And he talks to me as a, his child. I'm going, to make that, I'm going to make that commitment. What about you? I want you to be writing down what areas of your life are inconsistent, what paths need to be straightened out. Write them down. They're areas of prayer. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to help you with those areas, to make them straight, straight paths, so that you won't be out of joint. It's bad enough if a couple is lame. If they're out of joint, they're dysfunctional and out of fellowship and not in, get, can get worse. Things can get worse unless you make the commitment to Scripture. I will straighten those paths. Uh, as we move on, so the issue of having half-truths, half-lies, all that, no lies of the truth. Uh, his words a lamp unto our feet, that he might live according and walk in his paths. And that's going to be the case uh, for our lives. So you want to be noting for yourself what areas you'll work on. You say, well, well what do you mean? I'm going to be leaving. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to stalk you. <laughs> Peek in your windows. You're not reading your Bible, buddy. <laughs> I got to stop doing that. I promised I wouldn't do that anymore. Okay. No, no. You're going to have to walk with the Lord. We have to have a community that will say this is who we are. We're people who walk with the Lord here. We're not people who are flimsy, flamsy, fluff believers. Sword gets, can't even pick up the sword, you know? Can't get a grip on it. Uh, easily, you know, out of joint every time we do anything. Got this topsy-turvy, inconsistent life we're living. That's not us. That's not Calvary Chapel Richmond. You got to make that commitment. Because Calvary Chapel Richmond are you guys. It's you guys. It's the guys who showed up. You're the guys who stepped up and said, uh, I may not get a whole lot out of this, but maybe I'll get something. You're the guys who make up Calvary Chapel Richmond. You have to be the guys who make those kind of commitments and who will look each other in the eye and step up and encourage one another on what's right and what's good and making sure we're on top of it. And the elders, I'm not leaving them out of this, the elders are to make sure the systems that are here are healthy systems that bring that about, uh, that congregational discipline is not something that punishes people. We speak to each other as sons. We're helping each other grow. Brethren, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Who knows Galatians 6, verse 1? Brethren, if you catch your brother in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, taking heed to yourself, lest you be tempted. You know, you catch someone in a trespass, I'm better than you. No. No, that's a temptation. We're here to restore. We're here to edify. We're here to help one another. 
If you catch your brother in a trespass, if they say something out of the place, you know, if, they, if, they, if they're ogling a girl or a woman, not their wife, if they're doing something improper, you say to them, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I was in a restaurant. We, we have team meetings. And our team, we have a woman on our team who is handling some administrative matters. So at our team meeting, we were meeting in a restaurant, you know, and I'm always on time. Don't you hate that about me? She's always on time. In fact, we're both five minutes early. That means you're on time, you know. And so I'm sitting there with her in a restaurant. She's not my wife. I'm never with a woman who's not my wife. But the other guys are coming in on time. They'll probably be there. Somebody from another Christian ministry sees me sitting there. It's really cool. He comes up to me, sees this woman at the table, and says, Hi, Sam. How's everything going with Miriam? Everything okay? I love that. You know? He was looking out to me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? He loved me. I love that. Then the other guys came in. He said, oh. I said, oh. But, uh, but that's, but that's how, how it works. You know? We've got to be real careful. Uh, if you see a brother uh, who's like, you know, straying a little bit to the right or the left, in love with an arm around the shoulder, with encouragement in your heart for them, wanting to edify, caring about them, knowing that none of us can throw the first stone. That's what we do for each other, that we may grow as a community, that this congregation might be a light in the darkness. That's what makes the difference. When every family has that kind of commitments going for it, then we have a congregation which is made up of a bunch of families. That's the spiritual force to be reckoned with in the community. That's the lighthouse. That's the group we're working with. Last command. Third command, last command in the section. First command, strengthen. Second command, make straight. Straighten those paths. Third command, verse 14. Hebrews 12, 14. The goals you have for your life and family. What am I going to do with these straight paths? What am I going to do? Verse 14. Command, pursue. This is our focus. This is our goal. We have God and man in that verse. When it comes to people, pursue peace. With how many people? How about people of my own ethnicity? Is that enough? How about people that, you know, are rich and famous? They don't want to have anything to do with me. I was sort of hoping that they like something there now. All men, the only goal I have with everyone I come across, who's ever sitting next to me on the plane, I got one goal, pursue peace. And that's the Prince of Peace, just to let you know. Pursue peace with all men. We're peacemakers. We're here to make sure we're ministering peace as much as depends on you. If possible, be at peace with all men. Doesn't all depend on you. It's not always possible. But your game plan is I will pursue it. This is what I'm going after. I'm proactive, not reactive. I already know my game plan with my neighbors. I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to be the one who reaches out. But I'm an introvert, you say. I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. What I'm doing right now is a trained dog act. I am a trained dog. Disciple. Okay. I'm discipled. I am taught by the Lord what to do and how to do it. And therefore, I have to get up in your grill. 
Because that's love. That's just love. And even though as an introvert, I'd rather be reading a book in my flesh. Thank you very much. But I have to answer to somebody else besides you. And I want to hear one thing from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I care about. I don't care what you think of me. I don't even care what my wife thinks of me. I don't even care what my kids think of me. I hope they think well of me, but really, I only care about what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful. I'm going to be doing my son's wedding next Sunday. Pray for me. I'll probably be crying and be like really a basket case and stuff like that. Pray for me. Uh, but what a joy for my soul. But even so, I'm there for one purpose over, only. I'm going to preach the word. <laughs> he, doesn't, he invited me to preach. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Finally, he can't leave when I start preaching. <laughs> anyway, uh, but pursue it. And you also pursue holiness, the other goal. With people, peace. With God, holiness. If you're not pursuing those things, are you born again? You say, yeah. If you're born again, you're pursuing peace. You say, well, I'm not that kind of born again. What kind of born again do you think there is? There's a couple like, you know, I, I took, you know, one from column A and two from column B born again. I'll be nice on Tuesdays. I'll tell the truth on Wednesday. Wednesday's my truth day. No, it's not like that. You're just an immature, carnal believer. That's all. And no one has been willing to love you enough to say that. No. We're pressing to a mark. We're pressing to the mark. That's what we're doing. We're looking for those chinks in the armor. We're looking for those inconsistencies, bringing them before the Lord. We're looking to grow a little bit more, a little bit more of our time, talent, and treasure, that we might serve the Lord, that we might be able to depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it, Psalm 34, 14. This is what we do with people. This is the kind, when I go to Israel, that's all I talk about, the Prince of Peace. I pursue peace with all people. There's no peace apart from him for your family, for your heart, or anywhere you go. Pursue that peace. Have the Prince of Peace exalted. Uh, for the building up of one another accordingly. And then you will be called a peacemaker, and you'll be blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called, what are the peacemakers called? Anybody know? What's that? They got the rep. <laughs> They'll be called sons of God. <laughs> That's their rep, you know, because they're pursuing peace. They're peacemakers. They get the rep. They're called sons of God. I'm a son of God too, but is it your rep? You know? Is that, is that what characterizes you as you pursue it? So you want to sanctify God the world? You know what I love? That verse, one of the Beatitudes, it says there, Blessed are those who are of pure of heart, and they shall... What's it say there? Anybody remember? What's that? They will what? That's what it's saying here. That's what it says in verse 14. Without holiness, we'll see... He's not just saying you won't get to heaven. You won't see God at work in this world. It's only when you're pursuing holiness with God you see God at work. As long as you're on your own agenda, not God's, you're going to miss what God is doing. You're looking for things in your agenda, God only working on his own. 
So pursue holiness with God that you might see God here, now, and forever. Indeed, forever, for sure. But even now, and you hear people say, I saw the Lord was just working in my life thing. Really? Why you and not me? I don't know. I was, I was pursuing holiness with God. I saw him at work. That's how it works. Um, we see God now, forever, and live for him as his children. Nothing else to live for, nothing else to talk about. But I hope you got a list. We looked at a few things this afternoon. We looked at a few things. It wasn't to give you more teaching. I promised not to do that. I paid off. You got nothing out of me. I did say what we needed was not more teaching, more application. Not more information, more application. The application's going to come because we step up. Not like your children putting a gun to their head. God is going to want you to step up. And it may be five minutes a day. Some of you are praying five minutes a day already. Praise God. That's great. If you're not, make a commitment five minutes a day. If you're a perfectionist, you say, if I can't pray an hour, I'm not praying at all. Well, that explains why you're not praying at all. Start with five minutes and grow from there. Five minutes. It's a commercial. Commercial longer and longer. Put it on mute. Get your Bible. Ta-da! Pray. Lord, thank you for the word. Pray for my wife. Pray for my kids. Five minutes. Okay, back to the show. Grow. There you go. Five minutes. No problem. Make a commitment. Make, have a conviction of the Lord in your heart because the word of God. Desire the pure milk of the word. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. We're commanded in the word. Be obedient. One step at a time. Don't try to have a big leap, all or nothing. Don't go there. And if you're already praying an hour a day, talk to the Lord about praying with others and praying for others and praying, you know, Lord, is there a way I can make it two hours a day? Uh, how can I build up to marathon? Yeah. How long do you run in a marathon? How many hours is it? Is it like an hour? Like an hour you run a whole full marathon? Scott, what is it? An hour and ten minutes? Four hours? Four hours. Bodily exercise profiteth little. But people will put how much time to run a full marathon? Great. That's, a, that's admirable. How much time in the Word? How much time with their family? How much time in prayer? How much time in service for God? It's a marathon. We've got a relay race. We're passing it to our children. We're passing it on next generation. We got to be sure we're in the race, running with endurance, the race that's set before us. Make a list. Five minutes on prayer, five minutes on the word. Keep it simple. Do it, and you'll be stronger for it. Next month, if you're doing five minutes daily, be consistent on five minutes. Better do five minutes every day than an hour once a week. Just try to get consistency in your life. Don't try to make up for everything. I know it can be like that. Try to get consistency going in your life. Stability, straight paths. Build upon that then. Then you go to 10 minutes a day. You know, you build upon a consistency. You see? Uh, that's how we develop as a community. Write down the stuff you got to be doing. Pray about it. 
I'm going to be praying for the elders uh, to be making sure that the congregation is aware of where we're all going together. This is what we teach, what we do. We're going to take time for prayer. Now, um, I'm really hard of hearing, as you can tell. I've been praying for healing on my ears. So far, the Lord seems pleased to enjoy me just the way I am. <laughs> uh, but I like prayer. But prayer has to be several things. Has to be in the lingua franca we all speak. So we can say amen. Uh, two, it has to be brief. Not long prayers. Public prayers should be brief. Not much speaking. The reason is the weaker brethren can't concentrate that long. Don't tell the whole story with every prayer, you know? Pray the prayer, right? And we all say amen then. Keep it brief. Keep it in a language we understand. Loud enough to be heard across the room. When you're in public prayer, if you're using your inside voice, no one can say amen. You know, if you're, hey amen, what? Amen, I think. I think amen. Hold on a second. Half amen. I'm not sure I agree with that. I, mean, I missed half of it. Sorry. I can only half a. You only got a half. You got an A, not a men. Sorry. I can't give you the whole amen. So you have to pray loud enough, brief enough, and in language we all can understand. Fair enough? Let's take some time. I'm going to ask for Tim to close us down when we're done, uh, to close us out in prayer. I want several of the men. Now, a lot of you listen. A lot of you are quick out of the gate. I don't trust you. You're just reactive, responsive. I want the guys who are more thoughtful about to give us some prayer too. Some of us just quickly out there saying it, all that verbal, doing that stuff. Please, men, don't do it because your personality. Do it because of the conviction, because it's true, because you're asking God to help. That's the only way as a community we will grow together, strong in the Lord. Um, I'll open in prayer. And then as you feel led at appropriate time, Tim, close us out as you feel is proper in the Spirit of God. And then we'll have a season of prayer. Don't feel you have to go up and down rows as you're... But you have to be loud. Got it? Different. You'll get there. Father, we do thank you for your love and goodness, for your word, which is a word of exhortation. And you speak to us as sons, but we pray we will not be forgetful of that word but we'll factor it in. Though we might be faithful doers and not forgetful hearers, help us to grow still more in the love of God. In Messiah's name.